Well, amen. Well, good morning again. It's, it's good to be with you. If you have your Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 5. That's where we're going to be hanging out today in Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 12, as we look at the Beatitudes. And, and what David shared with us a little bit early in our, in our children's time, I want that to be that foundational that undercurrent of the conversation today. That this idea that what we talk about is saturated in Christ, it's, it's framed in uh, by Him. And so as we think about that, let me bring you up to speed on where, where we are. Last week we began this series called Inside Out and Upside Down. And as we walked through that, we started talking about, first of all, Matthew chapter 4. We'll find ourselves all the way through Matthew chapter 7. But we started in Matthew chapter 4 talking about the life of Christ in the desert when he was tempted. Now I want you to process that with me a little bit. We want to know who we're following. If we're going to live a life that's inside out and upside down that is different than the world around us, we need to know then, then what are we looking like? If we're not going to look like this, then, then what is the alternative? What is that? Who is that? Well, it's Jesus. And so in Matthew chapter 4, we get a peek into the life of Christ where Jesus was baptized and led into the desert by the Spirit and the enemy came and he challenged him. And we talked about that last week, about how he challenged him in a relational way with his uh, seat as God's son and how important that was. We, 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 challenged, we saw Satan challenge Jesus to be able to make God subservient to him, right? To, to let you know, father become the son and son become the father kind of thing. We, we saw the enemy challenge Jesus to, to allow uh, a quick fix, to take a shortcut instead of following God's will to follow another way. And, and through that, we saw the character of Jesus Christ. We, we saw this glimpse. If you weren't with us, any time, go back and look at chapter 4. Read chapter 4 because this is the life that we're following. This is the example that we're after. And so it's not just any man that we're following. It's Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God. And so as we, we talk through that, we find ourselves now in the Beatitudes. Jesus went to teach. And I, I remember uh, Christy and I, a few years back, were able to go, and we sat on this mountain just on the lake there, the Sea of Galilee. And as we did that, we, we, they say this is the area where Jesus would have preached this sermon. And I remember being able to picture it, to picture what the wind felt like coming off the water, to, to see what the people and the crowds would have been like, how Christ would have spoken and the wind would have carried his voice. It, it's almost like the reality of it framed in my understanding of this passage. And, and what I want to talk about today with you fits in that very clearly because today as we talk about happy are the following, we're going to be talking about God's desire for us and that is to be happy, to have delight in following Him and, and our role in being the followers who believe that that's the truth for Jesus Christ. Now, I don't, I don't know if you've done this before, but I want you to think of this passage as a frame or as a painting. I have some paintings over here just to my right and to my left, and you can kind of see that. I, I don't know if, you're, if you've ever thought about this in the sense of what's happening, but, but a painting has so many parts to it. It has the frame, it has the canvas, it has the paint or the print on it. And so as we're looking at a painting, we're taking all those things in because the paint, how bright it is, how detailed it is, the frame, the canvas, that all matters to us. Maybe, maybe you've seen a frame like this. This was once hanging in my office. 
a frame with this kind of decoration, with the canvas back here, with the paint and the, the depths of the, the picture and the detail. I, I think richness when I see this. When I get a picture of this laying uh, out on something, I feel like this needs to belong in like a state capitol or in some museum because it's, it's ornate and that it's meant to be set apart and different in the way that it was framed. And then I, I want you to know I've got my uh, A&M uh, college degree. This was hanging in my office. And in that, you know, as Aggies do, we, we print a big picture and the name of the school is huge. We've got a, a maroon canvas around it and the frame is very clean. It's very dark. It's rich, but the goal is not to draw your attention to the frame, but for the frame to draw your attention to the degree. That was how we framed it years ago or how my family did. And then a few years back, my family uh, took this picture. And when we took this picture here, we found ourselves uh, saying, hey, we want people to get a sense of who we are. Shirts untucked, family outside, just relaxing together. And so the canvas that it's on is a little bit more earth, a little bit more rustic. The frame is not as clean. It's not as ornate. It's not as pretty. If you were to put this frame on this picture, it would feel very different. If you were to put my, my diploma picture inside of this frame, it, it would tell a different story. And, and what I want you to know today is this, is that you and I as believers in Christ Jesus, if we're the following, then we need to understand that how we're framed, the canvas that we're living our life displayed on, all the details of it, they all matter. They all tell a story. Now, they're not supposed to tell our story, but they tell his story through us, through our uniqueness. That is how you and I have been shared for and cared for. And, and as we look through all of these pictures, as we look through this story of the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5, if we were to frame what happy is, it might look a little bit different. So I want to walk you over here and show you just a frame. If you want to draw this, you can have it. The first thing I want to let you know is over and over again, verse 3 all the way through verse 11, the Bible starts each sentence with blessed. Blessed are the poor. Blessed are those. Blessed are the meek. Blessed. This word blessed is, is this foundation for us. It's this foundation for you and I to understand everything on. It really gives this picture of two words. It means to be happy, but it also means to have congratulations, to be congratulated. So when the Lord is, is sharing these things with us, what he's saying is, hey, you should be happy. Congratulations if your life is reflecting these things. Congratulations if you find yourself hungering and thirsting for righteousness. Congratulations in all of these different areas, piece by piece and inch by inch. You should be excited. And imagine it's this feeling and this exclamation running into each other like a bride and a groom leading, leaving the wedding chapel on their wedding day saying this is the happiest moment of our life and everyone around them is saying woohoo congratulations throwing seed blowing bubbles maybe you, you remember this feeling a father or mother with a child being born 
And the moment you held them in your arms, this happiness, this joy that's just deep rises up in you. And the first thing people say, congratulate, you should be ecstatic in this moment. You should be lit up and excited right now. That's this picture that God says is for believers, if your life is, is modeling and reflecting my teaching, then you should be blessed. You should be happy. You should be filled with this incredible stirring that's deep. It's the same way that a child who's scared runs into their mother's arms and is comforted and safe and content while they are recovering from fear. God wants you and I, no matter the situation, to know that his followers are not just blessed. That's a great word. But are, should be experiencing the Lord saying, you're, you're killing it. You're doing I love you. Come on, hang on, run on. And so that's this canvas is the Lord's blessing experienced in our life. Now, I want you to see something in the midst of this. Before we get to the details of it, if you look at verse 3 and verse 10, the Scripture is going to tell you something. This is what the Bible says, and I'll read it to you. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then in verse 10, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And both of those things are, are the two verses, the two blessings that have a present tense. All the other, verse 4 through verse 9, all of those talk about maybe what we experience in part now, but in whole, what's coming. But verse 3 and verse 10 say, listen, the, the blessing of the kingdom is here now, almost like it's birthing, it's flowering all of this blessing. The kingdom has come, is what Christ prays. Let it come. Let your will be done. And so we see this frame in verse 3 and verse 10, pull this together, that if we want to live a life that is following after Christ, that is blessed, that is joy-filled, that is happy, that's congratulated by the King of Kings, then our frame of today is tomorrow. That's what our frame of today is. You see, if we frame today in today, we probably wouldn't pick this list. In fact, we might find ourselves thinking it's the spirited, not the poor in spirit, who, who are blessed. It's the people who go with the flow, not who, who make a ruckus that are blessed. It's the people who wield power and influence. It's the people who have all that they desire at their fingertips. It, it's people who are able to give out of their abundance, not sacrificially. If, if I'm framing today and today, those are the people that I esteem. It's the people that take every advantage and they make the most of it. It's the people that, that are beloved and exalted, not reviled or persecuted. You see, if we were to make a list, if I were to make a list of the things that we exalt when we lift someone up today, it's people who are so rich that they can give millions and it doesn't even hurt. It's people who are, who are so powerful that they're able to change directions of the countries with a single word or communities. It's people who are so influential, who are so popular that, that they can, can woo crowds in a moment and stir up people to them. That's if I was framing today and today. Here's the thing. Jesus doesn't say any of those things on his list. 
He doesn't put one single word that I just said on his list about blessed or congratulations. That whole list, if that's what you and I live for, we will not hear the congratulations. We will not hear the edification of God. In the short term, we may experience some applause. But when we wrap today and today, our canvas of blessing is wrapped in this frame of degradation, of deterioration. You see, that would be what happened if we wrapped today in today. But when we wrap today in tomorrow, when our life is wrapped in the kingdom, for the kingdom of God is yours, for the kingdom of God is yours, when those are the bookends of our life, when that's our focus, not us, not even, not even our family, when our focus is not our safety, our security, when our focus is the kingdom, everything else is defined by that truth. In other words, it's framed in. Now, now chew on that with me. What does that look like? What does it look like? What does Jesus want to get to us? Well, look at this first three verses. Verse 3, 4, 5, 6. This is what the Bible says. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. You see, the inside of our frame, like the inside of our life, is based on dependency. That, that you and I, in our inside, in our interior, we're dependent on Jesus Christ. That we have this, this base need to rely on the Lord. Now, now, this is different. This is not wrap yourself in today, surround yourself by people of influence in this life. What the Lord says is, if you want to live a life that's full and complete and wrapped in my gift of happiness, that's firmly supported by my congratulations, then your inside needs to be completely dependent on me. So what does interdependence look like on the Lord? Well, the Bible says, first of all, that blessed are those who are poor in spirit. A poor in spirit person doesn't mean someone that, that, that is poor in their character. It doesn't mean someone who's missing out on, on life. To be poor in spirit means to realize that the bank of my spirituality is insufficient to have a right relationship with the king of kings. It means that I don't have enough coin in my pocket. It means I don't have enough life in my, in my, in my bones. I don't have enough breath in my lungs. I, I don't have enough. But that's the picture of interdependency. To be poor in spirit doesn't mean that we just say, God, I'm worthless, I've got nothing, I'm out. It's saying, God, I am insufficient apart from you. Apart from the vine, the branch is dead. Apart from you, I have nothing. It's believing upon God for a right relationship, not believing that you and I can do enough works, can do enough acts, can, can make enough confessions, can check enough boxes to, to present to God one day to please him. To be dependent on him inside means that we will be poor in spirit, that we recognize that we have a need for God. And when we say, God, I am insufficient apart from you, he says, congratulations, heaven's yours. That's what he says. 
Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Congratulations. Heaven is yours. When you depend on me, on your interdependency, that's the reward. Now, it, this interdependency goes, goes further. In verse 4, it says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Again, sometimes we might be tempted to think that that means that you and I should be uh, just walking around sad or heavy. I, I've heard and talked to friends who've talked about Christianity as if it's weights going on your shoulder. Or I don't know if you've ever tried jogging. I remember back in the 90s, we had weights around our ankles and wrists. They probably still exist, but after about two weeks, we decided they should just be a myth. But if you tried running or jogging with weights around your ankles or on your wrists, it's like it's dragging you down. Sometimes we think that that's what walking with Christ is like. Like if you just suffer through being obedient to Christ, then it'll be all right in the end. That's not what Scripture says. See, what Scripture says is, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. In other words, the picture that we have is not us mourning that we have to follow Christ, but being sad and sorrowful over the consequences of sin. The consequences of my own sin and my own life, the way it's hurt me, the way it's hurt my family, the way it's hurt God. It's mourning the consequences of sin in the world, understanding that we didn't get this way by happenstance. That our world finds itself in conflict and chaos and anger and hatred and strife and self-servingness because of sin. And God says that should break your heart. It broke mine. And when your heart is broken over the consequences of sin, God says that is a pure and contrite heart. I'll comfort you. I'll heal your brokenness. I'll fill your emptiness. That interdependency. He says, that's not, that's not all. Blessed are those who are meek. See, you and I are ambassadors for God. So in our own core, do you see yourself as one who is to be exalted or as one who sees themselves as a servant of the Most High God? God said, if you want to challenge me, it will not be congratulations at the end of the day. God is not going to pretend to lose an arm wrestling match like you've done with your five or six-year-old before in your life. He's not going to give you false evocation. So if, if your pride leads you, if it drives you, all you have now is the most that you can expect. But God says, if humility, if gentleness, if that stirs your heart and, and draws you to the throne, not to try to overtake the throne, for you, congratulations. You'll be a conqueror. You'll be more than conquerors. That's what Paul says. If, if you try in your pride to conquer the throne of God, to have a heart that's proud, he will throw you down. There will be no congratulations. But in your humility, if you find yourself running to the Lord, then he says, I will make you a conqueror. I will give you that victory. You will have your inheritance. Interdependency. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. It starts off saying, if you know you're not alone, if your heart is broken, if your motives are pure, and if 
if you hunger and strive in a relationship with me, if you depend and need me like a deer pants for water, if you hunger for me, I'll satisfy you. We have a world that's longing. We're hungering, aren't we? We're hungering for the next stimulus check. We're hungering for the next payday. We're hungering for just a, a vacation or some peace and quiet. We're hungering for someone to edify us. We're, we have a hungry world. God says, if you are reflecting me, if you want to be happy as my followers are, then you hunger and thirst for my righteousness, for my will, for my purpose. Not your own. We hunger and thirst. That's that dependency. And what happens with our dependency? It makes its way out. So what's on the inside comes to the outside. Our inner dependency is displayed in an outer activity. An outer activity. Now process that. What's on the inside has to make its way out. Just like what David showed on that paper made its way onto the canvas. What's inside of you and I makes its way to the outside. Look at verse 7, 8, and 9. Blessed are the merciful. Verse 8, blessed are the pure in heart. Verse 9, blessed are the peacemakers. This is a demonstration of God's grace through our active lifestyle. You see, a believer isn't one who just simply can have an interdependency on God and not act it out. If you aren't acting out in the Lord, if you and I aren't merciful, if we're not pure in heart, if we're not peacemakers, then quite honestly, we're not as dependent as we might think. But God says, if you want to see my hand stretching out and congratulations, if you want to know that deep happiness that resides in my following then it needs to make its way out. Because you're just thinking about it. That's not activity. God says, blessed are the merciful. The merciful is someone who passes along what someone else doesn't deserve. It's almost this idea of compassion emptying itself out in you for the purpose of Christ. You see, it's not giving. God doesn't say, blessed are those who give, who chari are charitable. God doesn't say, blessed are the people who, who throw a little here and throw a little there, who wish people well. It says, blessed are the people who empty themselves compassionately for the, the name and the sake of the gospel. Blessed are those. Congratulations. You'll receive my compassion emptied out on you. It's activity. We go further. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. What's your motive in your actions? Are you not just in your own heart pursuing righteousness, in your own heart exalting Lord, but in your life, are you exalting the Lord or are you just kind of making your way through the day? Are you just trying to figure out who you are? Are you trying to help the world figure out who you are? There's no peace there. There's no solace there. Why? Because you are blinded to God when you turn your back on him no matter how hard you're working. But if you and I in our life are pure in heart and we are running unhindered, blocking everything out, everything else out of our path, chasing the Father, running into the arms of the Lord, day by day, when we go to work, running, Lord, how can I serve you today? When you come home with your family, Father God, what do you want to show my family today? Lord Jesus, when I go to sleep, when I wake up, all of it filling you up. Activity, 
pure in heart, God says, you'll see me. If, if you're pure in your hindsight, we're not going to lose focus. And have you ever lost who you are? The foundation of losing ourself is because the light has gone out of our eyes and Jesus is the light. So he says, in your activity, are you zeroed in on Jesus or are you looking at all the things you have or don't have? There's no congratulations in these hands. All of it belongs to the Father. He says, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God. Jesus didn't come to keep the peace. He didn't come to let people wallow and die in their sin. He didn't just come to make everything safe. He didn't just come in and say, you know what, I don't want to rock the boat. He didn't just come and say, you know what, this might cost me too much. He knew that a peacekeeper would be one that would have to sacrifice themselves for the greater calling of God. If you want to hear God say, congratulations, you are my child what he's saying is that act like me act like our family carry our name out are you going to bring the peace of the gospel wherever it needs to go if you're tired if you're worn out if you're unmotivated will you be a peacemaker what the wrong book of romans says and paul speaks it in chapter one is is the gospel is the power of god for those who believe is the power of God. A peacemaker. A peacemaker brings the gospel, the power of God, and makes peace where there's fake peace. He makes peace where there's no peace. And the Lord says, when you carry my gospel out, when you're a peacemaker, you will be called sons of God. It's like God saying, I will be saying, boy, a girl, go get him. You see, our canvas has an interdependency. It, it reveals an outer activity. But the Bible also says it's grounded on our identity. It's grounded on this identity, but it's not in us. It's grounded in His. It means our identity is set steadfastly in His. Look at what the Bible says, verse 10, 11, and 12. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when, you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad. The reward is great in heaven. So they persecuted the prophets who were before you. What he says is blessed when you're persecuted for righteousness sake. Not when you've done evil or wrong and say, well, God forgives me anyway. No, you don't. God's not congratulating you when you sin and say, well, I'm still blessed. No, you're about to be disciplined. Like, don't, don't mess up Scripture with me here. What he says is, blessed are you when you are persecuted or reviled for righteousness' sake. When people testify or utter false things against you. You see, what, what Jesus is saying here is you are blessed when the people who hate me hate you because they are linking your name to my name and my name to your name. Now, you can come over here and look at any of these pictures, but, but the person who printed this Thomas Kincaid, if you say, I don't like Kincaid, they don't care because they, they want to be identified with Thomas Kincaid. 
If you have a college degree hanging on your shelf and someone says, man, I'm not a fan of A&M, you know what? That's all right, because I don't care. I love being connected with them. If, if you were to look at my family's picture and say something like, hey, I'm not a fan of your clan, I would probably have to ask you if you can see the picture I'm holding. But I would tell you that's okay because my heart belongs to them and they belong to me. And no matter what you say or what you do, I'm blessed if you identify me with them in love or hate. You see, the Lord's the same way. He says, when people know you're my child, when people see you as mine, no matter what they say, congratulations. And he says, it's not this sad feeling. It's the sense of congratulations. This reality and this sense that you should not just endure it, but verse 12 says, rejoice and be glad. You, you should be ecstatic. You should be excited. Celebrate. When the Lord and when the world world says congratulations, when the world sees you as mine, throw up your hands because you are following me and happy are the following. See, that's the teaching that Christ, right when he, when he got out of the, the desert, this is the first thing Matthew says you need to know. When you follow that king, when you follow that Lord, today is framed in tomorrow and your canvas is one that is blessed by him. And you are going to show him. You are going to live for him. You're going to display to the world a life that has an interdependency on the Father, not on yourself or anything else. A life that is not stagnant or tied up or bound into sin. A life that's not content with thinking that you're your own island, but a life that has an outer activity of grace. Because if you live like that and the kingdom frames you in, then your identity will be steadfastly tied with the Lord's and happier the following. This morning, your identity may not have been tied with any of that. You may have watched a thousand church services and, and it's never come together. The spirit has never even unlocked it. Maybe the Lord's speaking to you today that you want to live a life today and for eternity framed in by the workings and the words of the almighty God. If that's true, you can pray this prayer with me today. Would, would you bow your eye, head and close your eyes with me? Father God, I need you. I've been pursuing happiness. I've been pursuing contentment. Maybe even I've been trying to impress you. Father God, I'm lost without you and I need you. I need your son Jesus to be Lord of my life and I want my outer activity to reflect my following heart after you. I want my name from this day forward to be inseparably identified with the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, if there are others 
who've been struggling in their identity and Christians. Maybe they know you, but their activity has been non-existence. Their dependency has been struggling. Lord, would you minister to them in this moment? They need you. We need you. We are poor in spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.